then I have the feeling it's not going to be 20 years before the next time. <laughs> I would suggest you start working on another one. <laughs> okay, thank you, Laurie. We appreciate that this morning. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 17 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 17. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him, and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. I don't always open with an illustration that can get me in serious trouble but I'm going to do it this morning. (laughs) I'm actually going to pick, and I don't do this either very often, I'm going to pick on the ladies for just a minute. Okay, ladies, when was the last time you opened your closet door and saw a whole rack of clothes in there and uttered those words, I don't have anything to wear this morning? (laughs) I, I, I knew... Uh, I, I didn't ask for a show of hands on that, but I, I, I knew that it, that happens once in a while. Not very often, but it, it happens. What you're really saying in that moment is, I don't have anything new to wear today. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Most people appreciate new clothes. Most normal people, anyhow. <laughs> I hate new clothes. Uh, the, one of the worst things I can do is go shopping for new clothes. Ginger has to practically drag me there to, for, for, for that to happen. I, I don't like new clothes because, you know, I look at all of those clothes there in the store. I don't have any idea what color they are. <laughs> and then if I get around to picking something out, then I don't have any idea what I can wear it with because I have to memorize what shirt goes with what pair of pants and, and, and the whole works there. But... Uh, Like I said, most normal people appreciate the value of new clothes. Paul uses that concept here for us to get a glimpse of the change that God wants to work in our lives. He wants us to put off certain things. He wants us to put on certain things. The word that he uses there literally means to change one's clothes. And so that's what he's dealing with in this particular passage. Now, we start at chapter 4 by looking at the fact that we are called to do what? To walk worthy of our calling. And uh, to help us in that, he's gifted us with his grace, gifted us with spiritual gifts so that we can walk worthy of our calling. I always get a little bit afraid when I'm working on a project and I run out of something and I know that Ace Hardware has it and I get ready to get in the car and Ginger says, you're not going downtown looking like that, are you? <laughs> uh, it, it means that there's probably something wrong with the clothes, and it probably means that there's some new clothes in the, in the works 
there. But uh, the idea is you better put off those clothes and put on something a little more decent or, or more presentable as well. And that's what Paul is, is saying to us here. We need, as we walk in this life, to become like Jesus Christ. We are his representatives as we walk out in, into this world. Uh, I, I did some serious reading last night. I had this illustration in my notes, but I hadn't looked it up. So I decided, since we have our family here, and uh, we went to bed just a little bit early, and I was waiting, I, I thought, I'm going to pick up and read one of the classics while I'm waiting. And so I picked up a copy of Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> Deep reading for that 10 o'clock at night. And in it, if you're familiar with Calvin, he's a boy of about five years old, kindergarten age, and he has his imaginary tiger, Hobbes, that he plays with. And something had gone wrong in Calvin's life, and he said, I don't want to be a human being anymore. I want to be a tiger like you. And so... The two of them get together, and he gets on a pair of pajamas that are the right color, and they paint stripes on it. They, they get some something to make whiskers on it with it and a tail and so forth, and then he gets some fangs to put in his, on his teeth. He says, now I'm a tiger. And uh, Hobbes looks at him, and he says, well, there's just one problem. And Calvin says, what's that? He said, well, to be a tiger, you have to think like a tiger. You have to act like a tiger. And in a very real sense... To be a child of God, we have to think like Christ. We have to act like Christ. We, we have to be a living demonstration of Christ to our generation. So how do we experience that kind of a change? Now, this is a two-part message. We're going to look at some general principles today. And then as you move on in the chapter, you're going to see how he applies that to several specific illustrations. But uh, today, let's look at the, the specific or the, the, the general principles that, that he has here. How do we experience a change in our life? I think verse 23 gives us the key there where he says, you are to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. True change begins in the mind. If we're going to have a change in our behavior, we can sometimes force that behavior from the outside. That's conforming to a set of rules and so forth but it doesn't really bring true change into a person's life. I, I think of that when we were in that approaching the fair season and so forth. H have you ever noticed how they'll take a pig and they'll wash it and they'll clean it up and they'll brush it and every hair is in place and they'll put ribbons on it and, and the whole works all to win a prize at the fair. What happens if you let that pig go for a few minutes and there's a mud puddle there? The first thing it's going to do is run into that mud puddle. Why? Because I don't care how beautiful you've made that pig look, it's still a pig at heart, and it's still going to act that out in its life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so if we're going to change, if we're going to be like Christ, it starts with a change in our mind, in our thinking there. And the first thing he says here is we are to put off the old, the old man, the old self, the old way of do, acting and doing things. When we come to Christ, there are certain things that he says, I want you to put off. Now, in, uh, in that passage here, that word put off, 
the same word we would use of changing our clothes, putting off the old clothes there. But it's in the continuous tense. And so this is something that we're going to have to do the rest of our life. There are going to be areas where God comes and he's going to reveal something in our life that needs to be changed. Uh, don't give up on that process. It'll be over someday. First uh, John chapter 3 says in verse 2 that the day is coming when we're going to be like him. Why? Because we're going to be in his presence. We're going to see him as he is. Until that day comes, we're going to need to change our clothes once in a while. We're, we're, there's things we're going to have to put on, things we're going to have to, to put off and others that we have to put on. Why do we need to make those changes? Why do we need to change? Paul describes our old self in three ways here. First of all, our old way of doing things, he says in verse 17, it is vain. Uh, the word vain or vanity that he uses here means futile. It means it has no substantial purpose. It's the same word that Ecclesiastes uses, and he sums up, Solomon sums up life there as vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's empty. It's useless. It, it has no purpose. Now, uh, Solomon had it made as far as this world is concerned. He had everything he wanted. And yet he came to the conclusion it's of no value if we leave God out of our life. And that's the idea that Paul has in mind here. The, even the good areas of life, they will fail to satisfy for very long if we don't have a right relationship with God. You take at the area of finances, the rich and famous are often the most miserable people that there are out there. Why? Because they've left God out of their life. It's not, the problem isn't that they've been blessed with uh, fame and, and riches. It, it's that they don't have God in, in their life. There are others have climbed the ladder of success to find that it's lonely at the top. What's the problem there? I think Solomon nailed it for us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, where it speaks of the fact that God has placed eternity in our hearts. And as one poet said, that our soul is restless until it finds its rest in God, in him. If we don't have a right relationship with him, everything that we attempt to do will turn out to be vanity. Jesus puts it in perspective for us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 where he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added unto you. He was talking about clothes. He was talking about food, material things, and so forth. If we are willing to seek Christ first, then he is able to bring that sense of fulfillment into our lives there. And so I, I guess the obvious question is, have you been chasing after something that's just been empty and hollow? vain, of no substantial purpose in your life? What is it that, that motivates you today? What, what is it that you're living for? Are, are you seeking him first and allowing him to work in your heart and life so that you can enjoy the blessings that, that he wants to bring into your life? The second thing he says about our old way of life is it is darkened in verse 18. Why? Again, it's because it has excluded God from our lives. John 1.10, Jesus came as the light. And then you go into chapter 3 of John. He says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And then you jump right from that into verse 19 of chapter 3, and it says they, they rejected him. They rejected the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. 
They wanted the darkness rather than the light. They, they didn't choose to come to, to the light. We see a lot of that today. Just look at some of the editorial pages, listen to the commentators, li- listen to some of the newscasts and so forth, listen to the so-called experts of the day, and you will find a lot of times they are acting out of ignorance. They don't know the Lord. They, they, they don't know spiritual wisdom. And so having been darkened, they turn to the wrong sources for help. I think of some of our New Age philosophy. It's not New Age it's been around for years. Uh, just take a look at India. They, they've had some of those philosophies for years. And what did, has it produced in their nation? What, what is the heartache and so forth that it has brought into that land there? It's, it's darkened. It's, it's empty. It's, it's vanity. I, I think of uh, the free love movement, and now we're redefining marriage. It never, when, when you hear people espousing some of those things, they, they, they never go far enough to explain the heartache that it brings if we go contrary to the word of God. What, what is it going to do to our soul? What is it doing to our lives? What does it do to our families? We recently legalized drugs in, in Washington, marijuana and so forth, that we're just now beginning to realize the cost of that decision. The, the cost as the number of visits to the, op, uh, the emergency rooms escalates and so forth. Somebody's got to pay for that. There's a price to pay. Why did they make that decision? Well, I think their minds were darkened, and they want it their own way, and they got it, and now there's a price to pay for it. He also says it's defiled in verse 19. The word defiled that he uses here means it's calloused, or it can also be translated indifferent, indifferent to greed, to corruption, indifferent different to sensuality. They don't, again, see the heartache that it leads to. Now, we have a tremendous problem in the day and age in which we live with the Internet, uh, the pornography that's available on there. Uh, and so many people are, are just plain indifferent to it. Well, it doesn't hurt anybody but myself. That's not true. There is a price to pay, and, and you will pay that price. And so God would come to us and say, you know, there's certain things that you need to put off. You've got to get rid of that old. You, you can't continue the old way of life and expect God to bless that. What, what is it that we need to put off today? And then he, turned, he doesn't leave us in a spiritual vacuum. He says, when you put that off, then put on the new. On with the new here in verses 23 and 24. What do we need to put on? Well, first of all, he says we need a renewed mind in verse 23, that we be renewed in the spirit of our mind there. In other words, we take that vanity, that that emptiness, that false way of thinking that we had, replace it with the thinking of Christ. Let Christ change and transform our lives. In Christ, we find a purpose for life. We find a reason for living. We no longer live just for ourselves and for selfish goals. We we have a reason for living. Uh, I think Gary started one verse too late there this morning. He, he was reading from 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, chapter 12, verse 31 says, Behold, I show unto you a more excellent way. And that is what Gary read for us, the way of love there. It, it's, uh, and he already stole my, half of my message, so I won't read that passage. But uh, we, we are to put on that love that can only come through Jesus Christ. The, the Apostle Paul's great desire in Philippians chapter 3 was to know Christ, 
to become like Christ. He, he goes on to say in verse 13 of Philippians 3 there that uh, he hadn't arrived yet. He was in the process of becoming more like Christ as time went on. But he was looking for the day when he was going to be called into the presence of Christ and he was going to be like him. He was looking for that upward call there. Uh, we need to live for eternal values. We need the God to change and, and renew and, and transform our mind. I was thinking of that Monday we had a, an ordination council at Liberty Lake for one of our pastors. And uh, we, we do several things at one of those ordination councils. First thing we examine is their testimony and their call to ministry. And, and then we go into their doctrinal stand and they have to uh, pass an examination on all of our basic doctrines and so forth. And then we look at some special issues. But uh, I, I was struck by the change that came in Shane in his thinking. As a young person, he said, I hated church. He grew up in a very legalistic church, a lot of conformity there, but no real change of heart. Uh, he was forced into going to Bible school, and he didn't even last one year at the New Tribes Bible School, and they kicked him out. And he was determined that somebody's not going to kick me out and get away with it, so uh, he, he visited with his youth pastor and began to change a little bit in his life. He said, I, I went back just to prove to him that uh, I, I can do it. You, you can't kick me out. It wasn't really a heart change at that point. But somehow during that second year, God got a hold of his heart. And uh, it, he, he began to change his behavior. And, and it, he led, went from that into youth ministry for several years. And then he kind of got burned out on that. And he said, I was through with church again. So he moved out to Enos Valley, got a job installing uh, satellite dishes, was doing quite well at that. But uh, he couldn't escape the fact that God had been calling him in to ministry. And guess what? There was a group of people there that needed a pastor. They needed a church to start. And they, they knew that Shane had been to Bible school. So they said, Shane, you're it. <laughs> And he, he unwillingly was drugged back into that. And, and then he, he was there for several years. And then he went and took a year off and, and worked there at our church in Post Falls for a while. But um, he was called to pastor the church in Liberty Lake. And I still remember the look on his face, the look of joy, when he said, I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> God had changed his heart. And, and uh, he can do the same thing for us. He can renew our mind. He can change it so that we can begin to enjoy the, the life that he has for us. We also need an enlightened mind in verse 24. We need to go from darkness to dawn. We do that by getting into the word of God. Uh, it's the entrance of his word, Psalm 119, 130, that, that brings light into our lives. In, in 105 of that verse, he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet light unto my path. We, we, we need to have his word changing and transforming our lives. Jesus came as the light of the world to change our hearts and, and minds. We need to, I believe, get into the word and discover what is it that God says about our financial dealings? What, what is it that he says about our, our marriage relationship? What is it he says about our interpersonal relationships? It doesn't matter what society says. What does God say? What, what is his plan and, and what is his purpose for us? And I realize Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, his ways are, are greater than our ways. They're higher than our ways. And yet in that very same passage, he says his word will not return void. So if we get into it and study it and apply it, we will be blessed in the process. 
And I guess the obvious question I'd ask is, are you in the word on a regular basis? Are are you letting the word change your thought patterns? Are are you letting the word change your heart? Uh, are, are, Are you letting the word bring light into your life? And then he says we need a pure mind in verse 24. We need to replace the the defilement of the world with his righteousness and and his holiness. I I, I like Romans 16, 19. We we homeschooled our children for years, and uh, the question we were often asked is, how are they going to learn the things of the world if you're homeschooling them? How are they going to become like, uh, what what are they going to do out out in the world? And, And Romans 16, 19 says, I want you to be innocent or harmless in the things of, of, that are evil there. We don't need to learn all of the things that are evil. We need to learn the things that are right. We, we need God to, to bring that purity in, into our lives today. Too often we learn so much of the world that the truth is crowded out and, and we have the counterfeit in our lives. A tough verse is Philippians chapter 4. In verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. What do we let our mind dwell on? Is it pure? Is it true? Is, is it right? Is it, is it glorifying to God? Or do we program a lot of things into our mind that just shouldn't be there? Do do we allow the enemy to to bring his thoughts into our life? How is is your thought life today? What are you feeding on? What are you telling yourself? Is it consistent with the world or consistent with the word? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 5, he says we are to bring every thought into captivity for Jesus Christ. That's a tall order, isn't it? to bring every thought in, into conformity to what Jesus Christ would have for us. And so today I would ask you, do you need a change of clothes? Are, are, are there some areas in your life that you have to put off? Uh, I, I liked the, the version. Uh, uh, I think that's, is that the living letters that you were reading, reading Gary? or Living, living. yeah. I, I, I like several of the things that, that came out of that. Uh, he said love is not touchy, not irritable. I wonder how many times do we go out into the world with maybe a critical spirit, maybe we're a little bit touchy, maybe we're a little bit irritable. We're to be the ambassador of Jesus Christ out there in that world. What are they seeing if we go out? uh, uh, I, I hate to say this because my wife is here. But uh, sometimes that's a valid question that she asked me. You're not going downtown looking like that, are you? And, and maybe sometimes she's right. Maybe I, I do need to change. I, I always think, you know, it's not going to matter to the sales clerk. As long as I have the money, they're going to take my money. <laughs> but uh, she, she has a point there. You're not only going out to buy something, you're, you're going out as a representative of Jesus Christ. And... Uh, we need sometimes, times, I wonder how many times God would say to us, you're not going out looking like that, are you? You're not going out with that attitude. You're not going out with, with uh, grumbling and complaining, are you? You're going out to represent me. 
Are you showing the character of Christ as, as you walk through this world? And so maybe, ladies, it's good to open the closets and say, I don't have anything to wear today. There are things we need to put off, and there are things we need to put on. Are, are we willing to do that so that we can show the world something different, something better? You know, as we walk out of these doors today, I wonder if God would say to us, you're not going out like that, are you? You're not going out with that attitude in your heart. You're not going out grumbling and complaining, are you? Because when we walk out of that door, I, I, I remember speaking in a church in a little town in Pennsylvania, going out to the mission field and seeking to raise support. And the thing that I liked about the church, it was a small Baptist church. As you walked out of the door, over the, the door was a, a picture of the world. And under it were the words, you are now entering your mission field. What a tremendous thought that was. And as we walk out of that door today, we're entering our mission field. We're going out there as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And it's important that there are some things that we put off and put on that which is glorifying to Jesus Christ. So we'll look at some specifics next week. But today is God saying there's something in your life that you shouldn't be going out there wearing. Something in your life that you need to put off. Are you willing to say, Lord, I'll get those new clothes. I'll let you change me. I'll let you transform my life. Are we being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would reveal to us when we need an attitude adjustment. When there's areas in our life where we're delving into that which isn't right for a child of God and we need to put it off. And give us the courage of conviction to make those changes to the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Gary's going to come and lead us in. Pass it on. That's our responsibility as we walk out those doors. Pass on the character of Christ to those that that need to see it. So Gary.